0: Exciting. Um, I just want to say outright, you can relax, no one's getting arrested today, um, <laughs> Russ just had to mention that. <laughs> well, it's so exciting to be here this morning, it's been a while, um, and uh, I think since then uh, my wife and I have been blessed with a beautiful baby girl, and uh, yeah, it's been great, but uh, i tell you what, hey, no one tells you about the hard work that comes with it, eh? The grandparents are like, yeah, yeah, we have babies, just bring one, bring one, excited, excited, grandma, I want a baby. And then the baby comes and no one tells you that you're gonna have sleepless nights, you're gonna have sleep deprivation, no, no, no. No one tells you that at 2 a.m. you're gonna be playing baby (laughs) shark. And you know what I find, that at 2 a.m. all the sharks are there except except for one, which is grandma shark, she's not there anymore. (laughs) She's sleeping while you have to play baby shark. But no on a serious note it's been great um, this little girl i've got some pictures i brought some pictures uh, look at that road tripping and one yeah. and one last one there you go she brings so much joy she's just so crazy amazing and you know i don't know how many people have told about how great it is to have this child you know and I, Strangers and friends alike. I'm like, oh, it's a baby. want one? Get one. (laughs) Um, It's just so amazing that when we experience these life-changing moments and these experiences that are so great and amazing, we want to talk about them more. We want to share them. We want to advocate for them. And which got me thinking, how much do we advocate for Christ? Because that is a big story. That is a big thing that has happened in our lives. And I remember in my early days after I received Christ into my life, um, I was so excited, you know? You walk out of the door, you just wanna tell everyone, like, oh, Jesus is alive, Jesus is in my heart, you know? You want to witness to people. You want to steer the conversation to, hey, let's talk about Christ. Someone would ask, well, myself, in the morning, good morning, how are you? It's like, oh, it's never, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? It's, oh, God is great. <laughs> And you wait for them, like, oh, ask me why God is great, ask me why God is great, so that I can talk about this topic and actually show you a little bit of this light that I have seen. But I've found that over the years, that excitement and that zest, it kind of dwindles down a little bit. Am I alone? It kind of dwindles down a little bit, and you find yourself just removing the fo- the, your, your foot off the pedal. And we actually don't, don't find the time to actually share more. And I found that if we do share more, we actually get to meet the people that need to hear this good news. So we've just passed Easter now where we got to be reminded about the work that Jesus and, uh, did for us and the sacrifice that he did for us. And so as much as it gets me excited to share about my daughter, But this bigger story should get more attention. The finished work of the cross should fuel up in us the call for this great commission to share Christ. So us all as believers, we've got unfinished business. Us all, we ought to make Jesus famous. So for those who are taking notes, the title of my sermon this morning is It is finished, but it isn't over. And for those who are not taking notes, the title of my message is It is finished, but it isn't over. (laughs) So let's look at the first scripture of this morning, Luke 24, one to six. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed, uh, in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Isn't it great to know that our Lord and Savior is alive? Isn't it great to know that Jesus? defeated the grave and death could not hold him down. I mean, how amazing was that last song that we sang? That he rescued us from the clay and put us on solid ground. And that is a testimony that I find we don't share quite often enough. I think over the years, with the experience um, that, uh, with the initial experience over the years, we tend to forget that it's been long enough and... I apologize, that's actually my phone. (laughs) I tried to keep it away from me and I thought it was off. I I apologize. Thank you, Pastor. (laughs) Flight mode. Should should I help you? Do you need the Holy Spirit to come down and... uh... Uh,
1: There
0: we go. And biometrics. It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. It's a TV. Okay. There you go. Well, that was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back to it, I was saying, you know what, our story, we get so excited when we experience Christ for the first time and we want to tell everyone about it. But throughout the years, we kind of forget how significant our story is, and we forget to share it with the people that really need it the most. So to know that Christ has risen, he has defeated the grave, for us, that is the good news that we need to go out there and share. We need to stir up a spirit of evangelism within us to be able to go out there and talk to people. And that is our, it's a blessing. It's not even a duty, it's not work. It's a blessing that we get to partner with God in what he wants to do in people's lives. In Acts 1, verse 1, Luke writes, okay, before we get to it, just a little bit of a background. Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he also wrote the book of Luke. No kidding. In the book of Luke, he he gives us the narrative of Jesus' story from Jesus' birth right throughout his life to the crucifixion. And now we pick it up on Acts 1, verse 1. He writes, in my former book, referring to Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, hold on. If he has already given us the whole story of what Jesus did and right up until his crucifixion, why do we discuss now what Jesus began to do and teach? It means that the work that Jesus has already started, it needs to continue. And it's not going to continue by someone else. It's going to continue through us. And if we look at the life that Jesus led, he was... Fully man, just like you and me. He got to experience the things, experience and feel the things that you and me experience and feel. He could weep, just as he wept in, uh, well, outside Lazarus's tomb. Philippians 2 6 and 7 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. We believe that Jesus was, is, and forever will be God. But we also believe that he he emptied himself of his Godness when he came down to earth and he took on a human form. But if you scratch a little bit, he was still God underneath. And... He could feel all the emotions, he could feel the anger, the pain, the loneliness and the compassion. And I believe that this was to show us that me and you, we don't have to be in any other form to perform what Jesus did. He was clearly showing us that I don't have to be in this divine nature to perform the miracles or reach lives or touch uh, people's hearts the way that I'm doing. In my human form, I can do it and so can you. He further goes to explain. He says to his disciples, "You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city up until you have been clothed with the power from on high." He's talking about the power from on high. What is he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, "The Holy Spirit will descend on you, just as it was with me, just as uh, the Holy Spirit was with me, it will be with you." And in your human form, you don't have to add on anything. You don't have to try and be different or offer this divine nature. Just as you are with the Holy Spirit, you have the power to do what I did here on earth. You see, Christ, with all the miracles that he had performed, not performed, that he did, I feel like performance is like a trick, it's not. That he did was he never attributed them to his divine being. He never said, I heal you because I'm Jesus and I'm higher than you in rank or whatever. But instead, he says, go for your faith has made you whole. And faith is something that we all have. He says in Luke 17, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will command mountains to move and they shall move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And this is again Christ showing us that we have the power to pray for the sick. We have the power to heal. We have the, the, the power to speak into people's lives, and not because we are of this divine nature of or divine being, but because we have the Holy Spirit with us. And some of us might say now, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm, I don't think I am a witness of Christ. I want to share with you this morning that I believe that we are both You are a follower of Christ in your heart, but you are called to be a witness of Christ outwardly. Same as being born again in baptism. Baptism is not, it it doesn't save you. you. You first receive Jesus in your heart, and that is what takes away your sin, and upon the confession of your faith, you are then baptized, which is an outward declaration. So it's both. It's not Either or it's both. So I believe that we are called to be witnesses as much. One two. I think Ross set me up because this is the second glitch of the morning. Now. <laughs> so, church. If you don't remember anything that I've said so far, I'd like you guys to pay attention to this verse, because this verse really spoke to me personally when I was preparing this message. It's Romans 10, verse 14. It reads, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Wow. That is so powerful. I, this verse just spoke to me outright. We know that we are called to be witnesses. We know that we are followers of Christ in our hearts. And here is this verse that says there are many people out there that want to call on him. They can't because they do not believe in him. How can they believe in him if if they've never heard of of him? And how are they going to hear about him if no one tells them? In fact, this translation says, unless someone tells them. Who is that someone? I know (laughs) in my workspace, if we have a meeting and we say someone needs to move this to there. When we come back next week, this thing will still be sitting here. <laughs> so when we're holding meetings, I, I say, if, if this stand needs to move to there, we need to assign a name. Okay, Ross is going to move this stand, and we must also have a deadline by this afternoon, 4 o'clock to there, and then it's going to get done. So I'm going to issue out two challenges this morning, and the first challenge is this. When you read Romans 10, verse 14, do me a favor and replace someone with your name. Because then it speaks to you, it puts the responsibility on you to say, I'm not going to wait for someone. I'm going to do the work because that someone is me. How are they going to believe in Jesus if no one tells them? How are they going to hear if, unless someone, unless Sibah, tells them. You replace it with your name and you say, unless I step out step out of my comfort zone, step out of my fear and I tell people about Christ. And I tell you, it's so amazing how people, how open people are about themselves and how they desperately want to reach out to Christ. But sometimes we never even get to hear about these stories because we live in fear of sharing our story. We live in fear of witnessing. We live in fear of getting out there and evangelizing. But I want to encourage us this morning that allow yourself to be vulnerable about your story. The biggest preach that you can ever have is your own personal testimony. I was here, but God came, turned things upside down, and this is where I am now, on solid ground. There's so many people that want to, that need to hear, not even want, that need to hear your message, your story. I was at Woolies some time ago and um, this lady who works there, she was busy packing some stuff and I was minding my own business. I, I took a glance, probably even half a second, caught her face and right on her face was this worry, this uh, sort of depression. It was as if she was crying a few minutes ago, and the Holy Spirit, it just nudged me to, to go up to her and share Christ with her, and I obliged. I, I went up to her, and I said, hello, um, my name is so-and-so. Um, can, we, can I talk to you? Can we pray? I, I feel like the Holy Spirit says, I must come and, and share Christ with you. Can you pray? And she agreed. So we, we spoke for a few minutes, and we prayed, and I kid you not, as soon as we said amen, we opened our eyes, I saw a different person. It was as if all that stress had gone away and she started to glow. It was like God had taken her into his arms and said, you know what, I can see your pain, my daughter, and it's going to be all right. Now, had I not reached out, I would have never found out about this story. Had I not reached out, that lady probably would not have received her breakthrough. Had I waited for someone to tell her, someone, not Siba, someone probably would have never come. And that lady would still be sitting there in her misery or whatever was bugging her, not knowing about Christ. So that someone needs to be your name. And there are many more who need to hear about this good news. There are many more that are out there that need to hear about this good news. I remember a few years ago, um, I spoke with um, this guy. I, I know his name. Um, I'll call him. Maybe some of you might know him. So I'll change his name. I'll call him Eric. I met him, and uh, I didn't know him from a bar of soap. He's a bit younger than me. And I got, I got to share my story with him. I said... This is where I was for many years. And one day at a church service, not planned at all, God just touched me. I felt my seat going hot. And the pastor was doing an altar call, and my seat just kept on getting hot. And I stood up, I said, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I became vulnerable to this guy. I shared my story with him. And he turned around, and he started crying, and he said to me, I've had issues with my parents. I've had issues, especially with my dad. And I said, (laughs) well, guess what? I had issues with my dad. But I received Christ. I did a course called Freedom in Christ, which is a great course. By the way, if you haven't done it, do it. It will help sort out your issues. And I told him, I said, I went through this course, and it helped me to draw a clear picture of where I was and what was going on in my life, and it changed me for the better. And he said, yeah, I'm going through the same stuff with my dad. And actually, my dad and my mom are going through a divorce. And he wanted to pray. And he prayed. He received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. If I was not vulnerable at that moment, I would not have known what that guy was going through. And probably, through the divorce, he would have blamed God and blamed Jesus and never even reached out to him. So the work that Christ has started, we get to continue, we get to share it, we get to witness it to other people through our stories. I find that in, in us sharing our stories, we sometimes get scared. Apart from the fact that we forget about how great our story is, and over the years we, we just don't think about it and we don't share it often enough, But I also find that we get scared. The Holy Spirit will give you a nudge when you're sitting there at home affairs for 12 hours and the Holy Spirit says, go to that person. And we don't follow through, we pull back because we're living in fear. We live in the fear that we have to convince people about Christ, that what Jesus did for us on the cross is good. We live in fear that we have to be responsible for this person. If I talk to him, then I'm responsible for his salvation. No. Our call is to witness to people and to allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in people's hearts. That's all that we are called to do. To share the story, to, to invite a friend, to say, hey, we're having a praise and prayer. Come through. And let the Holy Spirit, let God do what he wants to do, what he's already doing in people's hearts. And that's that's a great thing. God is already working in people's hearts. It doesn't have to be your responsibility. Jesus um, explains this in John 4. He says, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit, the, the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. I did not have to do anything to the, uh, uh, that lady at Woolies. Her heart was already prepared by God for Christ. So I was invited by God to be part of that process, to be part of the, 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 the life-changing story that was happening to that lady at that time. So the preparation is God's duty. He's already doing it, and it gives me, and it ought to give you so much joy to be part of that process. And you know what happens when you get to share your story and this person actually gets the breakthrough? we get the spillover effect in our lives because you walk out of there also feeling revived. You walk out of there having hope for tomorrow. Even though you're the first person to initiate this, it just gives you that lightweight feeling that I have done something great and God is proud that through my story, through my testimony, Another soul has been won for the kingdom. John 6 says, it's Jesus speaking. He says, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And on the last day, I will raise them up. So you are surrounded by people that God is already drawing them closer to Jesus. He's been doing it throughout their lives again and again and again. Jesus says, it is not his father's will that even one of these souls should perish. So God knows what he is doing and he will place you in those spaces where you get to interact with people that are being drawn to Christ and we have to share the story. We have to be vulnerable and say, you know what? I see you probably going through some pain. I see you want to cry out. I see you want to believe. I see you want to hear about Christ, but you haven't heard anything. And here's my story. I'll be vulnerable so that you can understand what Christ did for me and what Christ can do for you. The biggest problem that I find, though, is that if we as believers... Don't believe that God is doing the work in people's hearts? That is what sets the fear. Because we find that, we we think in our minds that we have to do all the work. We have to convince people. We have to soften people's hearts. We have to talk to them. And it's, it's not the case. God is doing his work. We have to plug in to his plan, to his purpose, and just avail ourselves and say, you know what, God, that's someone that someone's going to be me. I get to partner with you in this journey. Because think of it, if you have to do all the work, and that is daunting. That is what makes us to pull back and not follow through, even when the Holy Spirit gives us that nudge. So my second challenge that I'm going to issue out to you is that this week we go out of here. You go find one person to share Christ with and to tell your story to. And my hope and my prayer is that we start with one this week and another one next week, two the following week, and so on to eternity. So I'm going to issue out the second challenge. I said I'm going to issue out two challenges. The first challenge was when you go home and you read Romans 10:14, replace someone with Siba. Okay, not with me, with your name. <laughs> and the second challenge that I'm going to issue out is that you go and do this. Go find someone. Go find someone and say, I'm going to be bay for Christ. I'm going to allow Christ to use me as the vessel to carry his good news out onto the world. So I'm going to ask you now, if you had started And sort of along the way, your sharing of your salvation kind of dwindled down a little bit. Or if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've never started sharing your story or leading people to the church to come and receive, if you would like to do that, I'm going to invite you to stand so that we can pray together. I want you to take note that I didn't ask anyone to close their eyes. Did you notice that? Because when you're out there at the home affairs, everybody loves home affairs because you get to spend lots of time there. (laughs) When you're out there at the home affairs at the train station, at your workplace, on Florida Road, at the beach, and the Holy Spirit gives you that nudge and says, there's the person that needs to hear about your story. People around you are going to be looking. They're not going to close your eyes and say, let's allow that person to do what they're doing and mind our own business. People are going to be looking. And that is why I wanted the congregation to look at the decision that you're making this morning. To say, God, here I am. I am that someone that's going to take those good news to the people that really need it. I'm going to tell my story to the people that really need to hear my story. And that maybe will relate to it. So when people are looking at you out there, I just want to encourage you. Don't let the experience be daunting. Don't let the fear set in. Do it. In the middle of the road, at the beachfront, just stand there, share Christ. Pray, close your eyes, do what you need to do. At a restaurant, do it. Let the work that Jesus Christ that he has started, let it continue through you. So let's all close our eyes and we pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Father, for your word that is full of conviction this morning. We thank you, Father God, for these bold individuals that have stood up to say, use me, O oh Lord. I want to go out there. I want to evangelize. I want to, to reach people. I want to change souls, Heavenly Father God. I want your children to be warned for the kingdom. Father, I pray that they, 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 they get discernment, Heavenly Father God. They, they get to, to identify those moments, Heavenly Father, when you are calling them and nudging them to, to speak to people, Heavenly Father. I speak against the spirit of fear in the mighty name of Jesus. I come against, Heavenly Father God, the spirit of doubt. May you give them courage, Heavenly Father, God, as they walk out of these doors and they start this week, Heavenly Father, that they get to share with one person, with two, with three, with five, as you call them, Heavenly Father. We worship you. We praise your name this morning, Heavenly Father, God. You are glorious. The mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: Just want to ask (coughs) you there. Um, in, the, in the first service whilst he was preaching, God reminded me of a, a kid who came to youth. He was dragged there by his mates. How many of you got teenagers? Like, there's nothing worse than a teenager dragged somewhere. I mean, it was a nightmare. And he came up and, and his mates kind of dragged him up to the front and um, and basically said, Ross, your turn. Save him." And I could see the kid didn't want to be there. And so I started... Sp- speaking to him about Jesus, and after a few minutes, I was like, oh, this is going absolutely nowhere. He doesn't want to be uh, a bad experience. And uh, I, I don't remember how much later, but this kid was just weeping as the Holy Spirit touched him. I'll tell you that because God anoints two things. The Holy Spirit anoints two things. The Holy Spirit anoints the message. You can be Not filled with the Holy Spirit and speak about Jesus and the Holy Spirit will anoint the message if you speak the gospel. The message is anointed. You've got to know that. Because if you think that you have to convince people, man, it's going to be hard work. But if you understand, there was no way I could convince that teenager. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He anoints the message. And the scripture says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you for boldness. I want to tell you the good news about boldness and the bad news about boldness. The bad news is that boldness doesn't kick in until you start speaking. It sucks. It would be so nice if it kicked in before you started. But you start speaking, it comes. The good news is when it comes, your spirit will minister to that person's spirit. You don't have to worry after that. You will feel it flow. Now, I'm going to pray for people to be filled that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The message, that's up to you. But I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes on you. The reason I stood is because I used to get people saved on a weekly basis. And I've slowed right down. And I want to turn it back on. But I want people here to experience the Holy Spirit. This morning when we prayed for people, people were weeping in various parts of of this building. So I'm going to ask you, if you want to be prayed for, to receive the Holy Spirit, for the Spirit to come on you, just stand quick. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes into you. A trickle. When you get baptized, the Holy Spirit comes like a river. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, that's for power. Okay, we're going to speak about the Holy Spirit coming on you. So Jesus, you're the only one who can pour out the Spirit. I pray right now that you will come upon people for power that you will anoint people to preach your message, that evangelism will be stirred, that gifts will be released. I ask, God, that you, you make wells that have dried up, come alive, that, that you begin rivers flowing through people. Holy Spirit, just come and flood through this bone. Touch that lady, please, God. Your spirit is on her. I pray right now that she will be filled with your spirit and that you'll come upon her, Jesus. I thank you, God, for your life. If you want to give your life to Jesus, why don't you just stand up right now. If you want to give your life to Jesus, is there anyone? Don't sit down if you're already standing. Okay, one person. Is there anyone else? Okay, for that one person, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and make me come alive. Fill me up. Now God... I ask that rivers of living water begin to flow across this building. And all the people who are standing, Lord Jesus, that there'll be a shift and a change in their lives. For those sitting, God, just work in their hearts. Lord, just flood this building with your Holy Spirit. I ask that power comes upon people in Jesus' name.